Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. You ever have one of those weeks where you're, you're so busy and you feel like you're, you're so physically drained that you're just sort of floating along on the river like a leaf? And enjoying the ride, I kind of feel that way tonight. Um, but I feel spiritually attuned uh, to what God wants to say. I feel relaxed, and um, maybe it's because I'm just so tired. It's been a very busy last week for us. We've had three memorial services at our three regencies, and for about ninety residents. So. It's been an interesting week. So I just feel like tonight I'm relaxed. And uh, I, every time, like anybody that comes to this pulpit, I certainly want to bring something that God has inspired me to say. I, I don't want to waste your time with empty words. But tonight I feel that God has given me something for someone here. And I'm going to start, it's, it, I'm going to start a little different than what I had planned on um, in scripture. I'm going to have you turn to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, verse 8. I, I, can't help, I can't help but feel that someone or someones that are going to listen to this message are going to need to hear what I'm about to say. And you need to realize, too, that the messages that we preach from this pulpit they, they go online, and uh, you just don't know who's listening to them. And so tonight, I'm in Second Kings, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to read about nine verses. <clears throat> now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel, I'd like to say the people of God. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. This went on a number of times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? I think we could translate that word troubled to angered. He was furious. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. <laughs> I'm going to get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night <clears throat> And surrounded the city. Now, I want to tell you that the devil likes to really intimidate people. 
And he really likes to intimidate you in the darkness. You know, we, we, we've, we read the 23rd Psalm at least four or five times this last week, and it talks about the valley of the shadow of death, the darkness of the valley, the intimidation, the obscurity of that the trial. And he came by night with his great army in his great fury. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? You ever said that? What in the world am I going to do now? And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And I'm going to stop there. Lord Jesus, tonight I pray that this message finds the heart and the minds, or the minds and the hearts of that it's intended for. I pray that you would speak to us words of encouragement and enlightenment tonight through your word. I ask it in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I want to tell you what, uh, we could actually put different players in this, this play. We could actually put for the king of Syria, Satan. God knows Satan's tactics, and he puts the gifts of the Spirit inside the church so that they can discern what moves Satan will put in, uh, on their lives, what things he might do to their lives. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the word of discernment. All these things God puts inside his, the hearts of his believers, those that are filled with his Spirit so that they may not stumble into the pitfalls and the snares of the enemy. And that makes Satan mad. And sometimes God uses you in a special way, and you feel really good about it. I was just reading in the sixth chapter just before this, uh, in verse 6 and 6 and 7, how an axe had floated in the water when uh, Elijah threw a stick in, and everybody was so impressed that metal floated. Well, if that, if that gets you excited, you should see what else God can do. But, and, and sometimes we get excited about the little things in our lives, and then the big things come, and, and Satan gets riled up. And I want to tell you, today he knows his time is short. And he knows what you're doing. He knows that you're working against him and his plan to take captive those that God loves. And he will try to surround you with worry. He will try to surround you with discouragement. And he'll come into the, into the night, into the night of your life, and he'll whisper things to your thoughts and try to intimidate you. But that's the importance, and I've said it over and over again, of having a preacher and a church and brothers and sisters in the Lord so that when one feels intimidated, the other can say, Lord, open up my brother's eyes so he can actually see what's taking place. We're not surrounded by the enemy. 
The enemy is surrounded by God. We're not losing this battle. We're winning the battle. If we were losing the battle, Satan wouldn't be so angry. So I say to you tonight, if you're having trouble sleeping and you're waking up early in the morning and you can't, you can't go back to sleep because of something that's troubling you, I want to tell you, you need to cast that thing aside because that's just a, that's just a soldier from Satan that's riding around your bed trying to intimidate you. God's in control of your situation. Have faith in him. Now, I... I wanted to jump right into Hebrews the 11th chapter too because that's, that's the faith chapter. And we need to understand exactly how faith works. And I'm not going to preach about faith tonight. But I, I want to touch on some of the elements of faith that you have to have to be overcomers. Now, I'm reading from Hebrews 11 and 1. <clears throat> And the verse says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's a different translation than the King James. Let me read it to you again in this translation. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And remember we talked about hope a couple weeks ago. We're saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what did he yet hope for? And it's certain, and we're certain of what we do not see. Do you really believe what you teach others? I, I'll share an experience with you. I know I've shared it before, but in 2004, uh, I remember going in for open heart surgery at St. Luke's and. Uh, it was reconstruction. It wasn't a simple bypass. It was reconstruction of some pulmonary veins and putting them in the right chambers. It was a birth defect. And I remember after they'd shaved my chest and they'd rolled me into that sterile brick room. It's amazing. You have a $100 million building and they take you into a pre-op room that's made of bricks with no pictures. And I'm... I'm, I'm laying there waiting for the anesthesiologist to come and uh, give me the drugs and take me into the operating room, but I'm by myself. And I asked myself a question. You know, I'm a pretty silly guy. I talk to myself. My, you know, I, I could be watching the news and my wife will say, do you know that you're talking to yourself? I said, yeah, I am. It's just stupid. This news is stupid. And... Um, I asked myself a question, I said, and I said it out loud because I wanted to hear it in my ears. I said, Steve, are you afraid to die? And I said, don't answer that real quick. That's what he said. I said, I want you to think about it. And I thought about it and I said, no, I'm not. And I said something that I... I felt really good about it. I said, because I really, really, really believe what I preach. 
I really believe in a heaven. I really believe in a savior. I really believe that the blood of Jesus Christ remits my sins. I really believe that I'm I'm robed over with the, the righteousness of Christ in that right white robe. I really, really believe that if I'm looking for him and I'm seeking his face and my heart is right, that when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to be translated to meet him. I really, really believe it. But that's what faith is. I'm hoping for something that I cannot see. Sometimes God puts us in situations where we have to exhibit our faith for a long time. I, I sort of like fast food. You know, it's like you go in there and you, it's, it's amazing. Watch people when they pull up to Taco Bell or something and they have to wait a couple minutes because... They sell pizzas there too and the pizza took longer to cook than the taco and you're waiting for the guy. Why did you order a pizza? Come on, go inside if you want a pizza. Tacos are quicker, you know, and, and they, they want their food and they want it hot and they want it now and, and, and we're becoming like that with children of God, like children of God. It's like, I want my healing right now. I want it exactly at this very instant, right now. And if you don't give it to me, there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with me and I don't like either scenario. But think of how holy men of old, like Noah, built an ark for 120 years for something he never even experienced. Does that fall into faith? He was hoping for deliverance from something he'd never seen. And then I look at the walls of Jericho and how that was another example that Paul wanted to include in the book because here you have a a million people marching around a a seven-acre plot covered with dust in the heat of the day seven times. Seven times on the last day and and it's, it's crowded and people are bumping into each other and People are crabby because they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing and what sense it makes to walk around the walls of a, a city like Jericho. It, does, it doesn't make sense. All they knew was that, that God had spoken to Moses or to Joshua and Joshua had spoken to them and they were commanded to be silent. You know why there was no speaking? Because there would have been complaining. And complaining is the breeding ground of unbelief. It's the perfect culture that if it's allowed to to grow inside my life, will destroy my faith and hope. Better to be silent than to speak words of unbelief. It says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. And then I look at Rahab. What a woman she was. She didn't have a a really good occupation. Matter of fact, nobody would really want to put her on their speed dial. You know, and it's sort of like she saw something in these two spies 
she felt something that had, was being transmitted through them to her from God that what they were doing and what they were saying was true. Even though she'd never seen the waters divide on the Red Sea. She never saw the 10 plagues that fell in Egypt. She'd only heard possibly about them, but she believed in something that she did not see. And she believed and hoped for something that, was, that could happen that had not happened. And that was deliverance from the armies of Israel and the God of Israel. And she made those, those spies promise her and make a covenant with her that when they went back, if she'd help them escape, that she would be delivered when the walls fell. Faith. Faith in something you do not see. I, I saw something interesting too. Joshua's about to come against Jericho. And he um, meets a warrior. And the warrior's standing there with a, his sword drawn. And Joshua sees him and he says, um, are you for us? Or he, first of all, he says, who goes there? Are you for us or for our enemies? And I find it very interesting when the Lord replies with the word neither. Really? Neither of us? I was kind of hoping that God was on my side. He says, neither, replies the warrior, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua sheaths his sword and kneels down and falls on his face before the commander. What message does my Lord have for his servant, he replies. He asks that very humbly. And the commander replies, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. The commander's words are almost identical to the words that God spoke to Moses by the burning bush. But see what God is trying to tell us tonight? It's not your battle. There's, he's not, it's, it's the Lord's battle. Do you know when when Jesus comes back, and I think Brother Kylie talked about this on Sunday, who leads the armies of heaven? He's leading it. Because the Bible says the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. He is not on your side. You are on his side. He is your commander. How do we get to a place of faith? 
How do we get to that place in our life where we can see things that aren't there and feel things that are going on around us that others don't feel? Well, I thought about Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, verse 1. <clears throat> I'd looked at this a few years ago, and I, as I was reading my Bible, I remembered a little bit of that message that I'd preached, and I went back and got a few notes from it. But this, it says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. In other words, I'm not giving it to you here because I want you to visibly understand what I am about to tell you. Remember the Lord oftentimes used parables and he used, he used objects to illustrate points that he was trying to make when he preached. And in this case, he does the same thing with Jeremiah. Go down there and when you get there, I'm going to show you what I am about to, to do and, and say. And so I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. Now I have an imagination and I like to use my imagination because that helps me stay young. I'm picturing the potter who's trying to make a pot that's not coming together. I see a potter that is frustrated with the clay because the clay is not shaping and working into the shape that he wants it to go. And he finds that it's blemished and marred in his hands. So what does he do? He starts all over. He might have worked on that pot for an hour or several hours, but because there is a blemish and it's marred and it isn't going to work and it's not going to be strong enough to stand the kiln or the firing. He has to take it down to nothing all over again. Now remember that this is an illustration that God is giving to, to Jeremiah for Israel, but it's also an illustration of God and how he works with people. So the, pot, the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to the clay. No, seems best to him. And then notice verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter, this potter does, declares the Lord. Like the clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. See, when we talk about faith, we have to have a receptacle to hold it. I did something so silly the other day. And it always happens when you're in a hurry. I, we got one of those one-cup coffee makers, and we went to Sam's Club, and they have these really nice cups, insulated cups with covers, and it's, it's perfect. I can fit that cup right underneath that one-cup coffee maker, and... I can brew a cup in about a minute and a half, and I, I always do it as I'm just about ready to run out the door, and I'm pouring a creamer in there and rushing, and I'm, I'm saying I got to leave in two minutes or I'm going to be late, and, 
Well, anyways, I um, put two covers on the cup. And um, as I was drinking it, I felt a moistness on my chest. And I got, I got mad at the cup. Stupid cup! You're leaking all over me. Look at my shirt. I'm going to have to go in the bathroom at work again and wash it in the sink. I never told you the story about the other time I was in the bathroom. Can I? Can I relax you a little bit so we don't are too serious? There was another time. I, 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 with, like, with procedures that I have at the hospital, sometimes they take me off a of Coumadin and they give me Lovenox shots. And I just bleed from those Lovenox shots. You've got to put all sorts of bandages on it. A little pinhole will bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. Well, I remember going, I hope I haven't told you this before, but if I, I did, just remember I'm 60, couldn't be 62, and old people repeat themselves. But I'm, I'm late for work like normal, and I, I get to work, and I'm getting out of the car, and I'm looking at my white shirt, and it's all red. And I had put a bandage on it. I put four bandages on it. I had a big bundle of bandages on it. And I thought, oh, no. Well, now, now put yourself in my place, okay? You're, you go to work. You, got, you aren't going to drive 35 minutes home to get another shirt, are you? Well, Maybe. And there was no coal stores. I couldn't go out and buy another shirt. And what if I got another shirt? I just ruined that one too. So I said, Lord, here I am. What am I going to do now? I got a bloody shirt. I could put my coat and zip it up over it until I get inside. So I went in and I talked to our, our um, director of nursing at the pro-health place, who's a friend of mine. And I said, I need some Really powerful pressure bandages. I mean stuff, big stuff. And I said, yeah, I just, my shirt's all red, and I'm not going home. I am not leaving work. I am going to stay there. So we have, in, in the Muskego Regency, we only have one uh, bathroom for employees. I occasionally sneak into the real clean ones, but... But anyways, I, I, I said to myself, I'll take all the bandages she's given to me and I'm going to go in there and I'll take my shirt off and I'll wash it in the sink. And I'll, I'll pray that I can get the thing dry enough. I'm not going to wash the whole thing. It's only just the front. And I'm in there scrubbing the shirt with soap and wheeling it, trying to get all the blood out. And here's what I hear. Come on, come on, we got a line out here. <laughs> and I'm standing there <clears throat> washing my, and I, I holler out, I'm washing my clothes, leave me alone. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it wasn't real funny at the time. I was frustrated, and I, I was a little mad about all of it, and 
I finally got it cleaned out and I hope there was nobody standing by the door when I opened it because I pictured that all the employees would be out there standing looking at me. And so anyways, on the way home, this is how God works. It was a bit, it was sort of a, not a fun incident, but I'm in my car driving home that night and all of a sudden the irony of what happened hit me and I cracked up in the car and I just started laughing like a nut because I thought, Steve, you really are a piece of work. <laughs> and you know, in your life, you're going to have problems come up and you're going to panic and you're going to say, oh God, what am I going to do? Now this is just a funny incident. This is just a simplistic incident. Your incident might be something even completely different. It can be a problem that just all of a sudden jumps in front of you and you're overcoming and your doubts and your fears are, are surrounding you and you're wondering if you should just go home and, and, and breach your responsibility. See, Brother Wilbur, I was raised to be responsible. And if, I, if I'm going to be at work, I'm going to be at work. If, I'm, if I have a job to do, I have a job to do, and I'm going to finish the job. It's just, that's the way I was raised. You just don't quit when things go wrong. You just sort of get a rubber band and some tape and fix it up and go on. Because you have to be responsible. But I find in Christianity... Because people are overcome sometimes with the, the surprise of a situation and, and the uncertainty of how they're going to solve it, that they don't take the time to sit down and truly evaluate what they can do. And you know what? Sometimes those things that you do to get out of your problems inconvenience others. I don't know where those other people went while they were knocking on the doors, but I'm sure they found a place. And you know what? God's going to take you through, and it's not your battle that you're fighting. And all those little people that are knocking on the doors of your bathroom and telling you to get out, those are the armies of Syria trying to scare you and intimidate you and, and trying to make you make a decision that you shouldn't make. Because when you make decisions based on hypothetical situations about things that have not even come to pass, you're going to be wrong anyways. You're going to have to backpedal and, and re be recreated. That's why Jesus or the, the Lord said, look at the, the potter's got the clay in the wheel and he's spinning it in circles and he's trying to make it into something that's, that can be strong and beneficial for others. The vessel wasn't created for itself. The vessel was created to be used by others. You weren't created for your own self-existence. You were created as a vessel to serve others. You are a vessel and God is creating you into what he wants you to be. But you know what? How many times has God had to hammer me down? You know, it's not... 
I thought I looked pretty good. And then he said, no, 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 you've got a little sin in your life and we're going to nail that bugger and we're going we're gonna to knock it right down and I'm going to create you into something completely different than what you were. Can I look at it from the clay's perspective? You're the clay. You're all clay. From dust you came and to dust you'll return. And I heard Pastor Kylie call you a glorified mud ball on Sunday anyways. But look at the clay's perspective. It's just laying there doing nothing. Not asking for anything. It was content laying in the clay bin. And then all of a sudden, some guy comes in there and gouges gouges it out of a place of comfort. And it's dark and it's moist. It's a perfect climate for clay to exist. And it takes it out of its perfect situation and it throws it on a cold, hard wheel. And the clay is saying, I don't know if I like this because there's no moisture out here. Matter of fact, if I stay out here very long, I'm just going to dry up and become brittle. You ever felt that way? God, I feel like I'm drying up. I need a wind, I need a gusher of water from heaven. You ever get dry in your soul? Do you ever think that God's put you on the wheel and you're sitting on the wheel and God says, I, I just took you out of your comfort zone for a little bit because I want to make you into something that somebody else needs. See, that the vessel's going to be bought by somebody that needs it. Somebody needs you. You're, you're created to minister to somebody. So the clay's sitting there and, all right, I guess I can handle this. And then this wheel starts spinning. Now what happens? I lose all direction. I don't know what's left or right or what's right or wrong. And in my life, as God's working on me, sometimes I lose direction and I don't know where I'm going and I, I don't know where it's, it's going to end and I'm spinning in circles and, and if that's not bad enough, I feel pressure. I feel the hands of God pressing on my life and I'm saying, hold on, put me back. Put me back in the bin. It was quiet there. Nobody bothered me there. Oh, But if it's a valiant vessel, and if it's a wise vessel that has faith, that vessel says, put the pressure on, because that's, I want to grow. It reminds me of a cartoon that I saw. I told you I'm in rare form tonight. When I get tired, I am in rare form. Brother Wilbur, me and you, could we could tag team tonight. <laughs> I remember walking into an office one time, and Brother Matson, you've probably seen it. It's a really funny cartoon, and a lot of people had it hanging. It has this letterpress. You know what a letterpress is? It's got this big old gear on the top, and it, it squeezes letters down, and then they bundle them, and then you just crank it, crank it, and it squeezes down. It's like a vice. And here's this cat. And it's got its head in the vise. And there's some guy cranking the letterpress. And the cat is saying in the, in, the, in, in the cartoon, give it another crank. 
I work best under pressure. And you know, sometimes we do. God, God puts that pressure on it, it's us, and when we recognize what's going on, and that God is, is, is fine-tuning us spiritually, if we can remember that the outcome is going to be far better than the discomfort of the experience, we will have faith and hope and joy through our tribulation or, or through our trial. And I, I'm preaching to myself tonight and I'm preaching to you because sometimes things that we are going through go on and on and we don't see an end and we don't see an escape. But if we can remember that God is shaping us into something useful. And one of the things that vessel's going to hold, and it should hold, is the fruits of the Spirit. You know, we talk about the new wine. You get your vessel shaped and it's full of love and peace and joy, gentleness and meekness and long-suffering. All those things that are so nourishing to the soul. And when I have a vessel that doesn't leak, I can use what's inside of it for someone else. They can use it to be blessed. I think the greatest compliment that I, I get, I get from, from people or from work, and I, I'm not bragging at all, but I love to hear it when I hear it, is when they say that he's compassionate. Because I want, that's, that's something I want to emulate in my life. I want to be compassionate. I want to I minister just as Jesus ministered. And that's what it's all about. It's not about material things. And so tonight, I, I think I'm going to probably wind her down at this point, but I, I want you to understand that nothing formed against you according to the word of God will prosper. Doesn't say it won't exist, but it will not overtake you. And I, I, I remember some of the verses, and when I get discouraged a little bit, and yeah, I think preachers get discouraged just like you are. We're just, we're just up here ministering, and we're going through some of the very exact same trials that you're going through. But I've learned that. I need to requote to my mind things that I already know. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. God's grace is sufficient. We're going to make it. And what is the image for this church? You know, we're going to have a business meeting on, on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I'm sure during that business meeting, Brother Kylie's going to maybe cast a vision youth maybe think our vision may not even be close to what God's vision is. God's bringing people into this church and he's building vessels for a purpose. And you know, it's, we, can have, we, like, we, can have a, we can have an idea, 
But God is going to build his church and the gates of hell, when it is finished, will not be able to prevail against it. Nothing will prevail against it. And as long as you stay in it, you're safe. You know, it's like when a tornado comes, they say, don't leave the basement. It's a safe place. Don't run away, even though your, your, your fear is telling you to run. Stay where you are. And blessed is the man when the Lord comes that is about the Lord's business. So let's stand together. I felt so good that day when I, I, I laid in that bed and I, I truly was placed at the hospital and I was truly placed in that situation where I, I had to be honest with myself. Do you truly believe what you tell others? Do you truly believe that when you talk about God as a deliverer and a healer and how he wants to give you peace, that he can do it? You really, you can say that you do. But you will not know if you really do until you are placed in a situation where you have nothing to hold on to but your faith in him. And God is testing us because the battles that we are about to fight in this world, if the Lord tarries, are going to be greater than any battle that any of the members of any body of churches has ever fought. Because we're living at the very end. The Bible says, unless those days were shortened, he said, no flesh should be saved. We're living at a time of crisis spiritually. So are we gonna feel some pressure on the wheel? Absolutely, God's got to make sure you're strong. But I have good news. We win. And as long as you allow him to be your master, you need not fear. The old imagination would say, if someone were to come to you, as they do in other countries, and they say, Brother John, you either deny Jesus Christ right now or I will take your life. And you have five seconds to make your mind up. What would you do? What would you do? You know what? I don't worry about it because the Bible tells me when that time happens, that God will give me the inspiration and the words to speak and to say. See, that's intimidation on the devil's part. I will live for him. And no matter what situation comes, God will give me the grace at that moment. Remember, I have scripture. Stephen's face shone like that as of an angel when all those people came against him. Just before he died, God 
anointed that man, it inspired that man, and the same with Paul, and he'll do it for you. So stop living in tomorrow and of being afraid of what could happen tomorrow. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, tonight, I just thank you, Lord, for... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.